Welcome to the ministry of Pastor Jeff Taylor. We hope you will find life-changing truths as you hear today's message. Pastor Taylor believes that no word of God is void of power. Now, let us join a live service already in progress. Glory to God. If you have your Bibles today, I want you to turn in the, uh, turn to the book of 2 Timothy. The book of 2 Timothy, chapter 4. The book of 2 Timothy. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, you might as well get ready. I'm going to preach my heart today. I'm going to preach it all out. Now, it may be, I may preach for an hour. I may preach an hour and 15 minutes. I may, I may preach longer. Who knows? But I'm going to tell you, when we get done here... I'm telling you, we're gonna we're gonna have the spirit of might and power. We're gonna have that same spirit of faith that Paul had. And uh, in Second Timothy chapter number four, we're we're going to look at a portion of scripture. Just one scripture is our text. It's verse number seven. He says, "For I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race." Now, I've kept the faith. I want to tell you a little bit about the setting of what Paul's writing here. Paul is writing uh, concerning, he's actually, the year is actually 67 A.D. Paul is confined at the time of this writing to a Roman prison. But he is, and he is awaiting his imminent death. I mean, he is about to go and be led into Rome and into the, into the Colosseum, and he is about to give his life. This is... Though that the book, though that the Bible is not laid out chronologically, this is the last letter that we have from Paul, and he's writing it to his young protege. In his final letter to this young protege, he's beginning Timothy. He's briefing him on the church and carrying on in ministry. The Lord Jesus. He's briefing him on all these and the things that yet must be done. But he takes a glimpse at this in this scripture at his future. Because he talks about, finally there's laid up for me, in the next verse, finally there's laid up for me a crown of life. In other words, I'm about to cross over that place and finally get the reward that I have worked so diligently for. But, he, but, but before he gets too far ahead, looking into his future, he casts his view and has cast his gaze back over to the, his shoulder and takes a look at what he has done over his life. He takes and, re- and he begins reviewing what has gone on in his life. And he gives young Timothy a synopsis of his whole life in 16 words. He says this, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I have kept the faith. Not, not really his whole life is he talking about, though. He's only gone back as far as the road to Damascus. He didn't go back as far as his natural born life. He is Saul of Tarsus, born, but God changed his name. Then he only goes back and reviews the life that he found in Christ. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know this, that there is no life until you find life in Jesus. And Paul is reflecting about all the great things and all the challenges. And he said, I'm looking back and I can only go back as far where my life had meaning. My life began to have meaning on the road to Damascus when a light shone out of heaven and I was hit by that light and that light has been shining in me ever since. And he goes back to where he goes back to where he's born again and in summary he pens these words I have fought the fight I have run the race and I have kept the faith And after reviewing his life he has no regrets 
You know why Paul has no regrets at the end of his life? Because he had no reservations. And there was no retreats. I don't know about you, but that, there's something inspiring about a man that can look back over his life and say, you know, I really have no regrets because I never held anything back and I never retreated from anything God ever told me to do. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a, that's a life worth living. That's a life that has impacted somebody else's life. But Paul has got some accomplishments. I mean, now, in studying Paul's life, now, I have, I have been a student of the Bible basically the majority of my whole life, but especially in the last 14 and 15 years, I have been a great student of the Bible. I've been, I've been diligent to be a student. And one of my heroes, now, Paul, you have to understand, Paul's one of my heroes. Paul's one of the. I, I'm, I'm going to be hanging out with Paul in heaven. Now, I'm going to be talking to Moses. I'll be talking to Abraham. I'm going to be spending some time with them. But really, who I really want to spend some time with is I want to talk about him and his doctrine. I want to talk, to, I want to talk doctrine with Paul. I want to talk about doctrine and, and, and theology with him. I want to spend some time. But it's not just the theology I want to talk to him about. I want to talk to him about his life and how he really did make it. I don't know about you, but we're going to get into some of this, and I'll show you. Some of you may have not have studied out Paul's life as much, but there are some incredible accomplishments, but there were some incredible challenges to this man's life. Now, he's only, he was only believed to be about four and a half feet tall. So, sweetheart, there's room. There, there, there's, there, I told her the other day, honey, you've got a chance. You, you've got a chance, baby. You know, Paul was short. God uses short people. Sometimes. Uh, anyway, uh, he in, in stature, he's just a short man, but in a gi- he's a giant man of faith. I mean, this man is a giant in faith. And he is, he is a crusader in the, in the most honorable way. He has captured cities. He, it is, he, is, he's, he is taking the gospel and literally changing the course of cities. He is an empire builder. He founded hundreds of churches, a wise master builder. He called himself, I have been a wise master builder that constructed not just for himself, his own name. He did not construct it for his own name. He constructed it for the name of a man called Jesus. Amen. He was a crusade, he was a crusader. He's an empire builder, but he also spearheaded the establishment of the New Testament church among the Gentiles. The entire, an entire continent was shaken by this man's message. And in, I don't know about, there's not many people. I mean, there have been men that have shaped nations, men that have shaped cities, men that, but there are not many men that can say they have actually shaken and influenced an entire continent like this man has. He is probably one of the most influential Christians that has ever lived on planet Earth. And without much debate, he's the greatest preacher of all time. And, uh, and uh, he wrote half, I mean, let's, say, let's face it, he wrote half of the New Testament. That ain't bad. It's amazing that God would use a murderer that way. Isn't that right? Isn't that great? God could use somebody like that? But ladies and gentlemen, he was not just the writer of the New Testament, but he was probably one of the most prolific martyrs and one of the most popular martyrs of the cause of Christ. They said that uh, church history tells us that when, and when Paul was actually martyred, he actually won more people throughout giving his, after giving his life. He's actually won more people at the place where he gave his life. People heard about the great Paul that had died and given his life for the cause of Christ. He actually won more people at his death than he'd won in, in uh, than any other time in his life. Well, I tell you what, that's a powerful man, isn't it? 
that's Paul's accomplishment. And, and, and uh, I would have liked to have known this man. I, matter of fact, I'm going to find out. I'm going to find out what this man's really like. Now, obviously, he's going to be in his glorified condition, so he's going to be probably a little bit different in one sense or in a few senses. But at the same time, I'd like to know what this kind of man's like because this is a man that he, he fought the fight. He, ran, he finished his course. Anybody want to finish your course in here? I mean, let's face it, we don't study losers. Do you know how many can name the ten spies that, that uh, came back with an evil report about the land? Nobody, nobody studies losers. We want to study winners. And if a, man is going to, if a man is going to finish his course, this is one of the best men to look at. And how, I would like to have been around him. I'd like to have seen what he was like, what it would have been to travel with him. I'd like to sit in one of his sessions where he's praying. I'd like to pray with him. I like. To, how would you like to have been in one of his? Now, most of you, I know, you wouldn't like Jim because he's a long-winded preacher. I mean, one night he they started service around seven or eight, nine o'clock, you know, and and he preached through midnight. I mean, and he in the Bible, Bible even said, and Paul, being long-winded, preached so long he put one man to sleep, fell out, fell out of the window, broke his neck, died, and Paul ran down there, threw his body on, and said, "Get up! I I am done preaching to you yet." I mean, that's a preacher's preacher. Amen. I mean, I like to have been in there. But, but the thing about it is, is that he's, there's a, there is a secret to Paul's success. There, are, there was a secret to Paul's success. Paul's secret to success and fulfilling the plan of God was not his great talent. He had some talent. How many know you've got to have talent? And to be able to succeed, you've got to have a little bit of talent. But it wasn't his talent that helped him succeed. It wasn't the great anointing. How many know you got, you, he was anointed of the Holy Ghost? God anointed him for a special task. But it was not the anointing. Now, see, I've seen people that are talented that, that uh, did, w- didn't become sex- successful because they put the talent before, b- before the relationship with God. I've seen people that were highly anointed. And one day they're anointed, another day they're doing something and doing crazy stuff. Doing something, I mean, I mean, they could walk out of a service, be anointed of the Holy Ghost. Now, see, this is going to hurt somebody's theology, but your theology probably need to be hurt. That he, somebody walk right out of the Holy Ghost service, getting people saved, filled with the Spirit, healed, and walk out and do something crazy in the flesh. Because it's the anointing. How many know it's the anointing? It's not the man, it's the anointing. And there's an, there's anointing. Oh, how, why would God do that? Because He loves people. I don't know, I don't know how to explain all of it. But I know it happens. Lord, I, I don't want to be that kind of person. I want to have success. And his success was not his great talent. It was not his great anointing. Now listen here real carefully. It was not his great revelation. Now, he was given revelation in the third heaven of things that it was not even lawful for him to preach. Not even, God would not even tell, him, tell some of the stuff that he had heard. Some of the stuff that he had heard, he said, I, I can't even tell you. It's not even, it's not even lawful. I, can't even, I would be violating godly law if I told you what. I mean, this man had revelation. But ladies and gentlemen, it was not his great revelation that got him success. The success of Paul was, can be accounted to one thing, is he never, 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 never quit. The secret to Paul's success was that he never, ever quit. He refused to quit. He had great opportunities to quit. Now, recently, you know, we had Brother uh, uh, Ed Dufresne. And uh, there was a time in his life where he went through a real tragic event. There were some very big hardships in his life. And there was a man by the name of Dr. Summerall, Dr. Lester Summerall, one of the greatest probably one of the greatest men that has ever lived, one of the greatest generals of the body of Christ, went to be with the Lord a few years ago. 
But uh, Dr. Summerall went, went by him, and, I, and I, let me read you the note that while, uh, while Brother Ed Dufresne was going through this hardship, this is what Dr. Lester Summerall wrote. He said, Brother Ed, I deeply appreciate you. Revelations 2.10, He who endures to the end shall possess all things. And this is what he writes. Don't quit. Don't slow down. Victory is sure, my friend. You are precious, and I love you. Ladies and gentlemen, the reason that Paul had a profound and lasting impact upon his generation is because he did not quit. Amen. There are all kinds. I mean, you know, there's all kinds. Christians would revile Jews. People reviled him and persecute him. He didn't quit. Yeah, I mean, he's shipwrecked. He doesn't quit. He goes through and cry, uh, and he's stoned at Miletus and he's and left for dead. He didn't quit. He's thrown in prison. He doesn't quit. I mean, he's thrown in prison a number of times. He doesn't quit. He's beaten. He's th- I mean, he's thrashed around. He's shipwrecked. He has been. He has had snakes bite him, and he doesn't quit. He just he's the uh, he's the energizer bunny. He just keeps going and keeps going. And don't you get tired of that commercial? But that's the same way that God has given. He's given us an energizer of the Holy Ghost and an anointing that we don't have to ever quit. Glory to God. Let that be said about you that he just didn't quit. He just kept going and going and going and going and going. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're the energizer bunny. The Holy Ghost energizer bunny. Paul's personal motto is found in Philippians. If you will turn with me to the book of Philippians chapter 3. The book of Philippians chapter 3. Glory to God. The book of Philippians chapter 3. Verse number 13. This is, this is his motto. Verse 13 of Philippians chapter 3. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and pressing forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He pressed and he pressed and he pressed, and when the thing got tough, he pressed a little bit more. Ladies and gentlemen, everybody say, not perfect, but pressing. Ladies and gentlemen, there's nobody perfect other than Jesus, and they crucified him. So you don't want to be perfect, ladies and gentlemen. You don't want to be, because they'll crucify you if you're perfect. But ladies and gentlemen, we're, none of us are perfect. But the place that we must reach is that though we have not apprehended perfection, we continually press towards what God has called us, no matter what the opposition is. Ladies and gentlemen, on the road to life, there are going to be exit signs that will say, please exit here, quit here. We want you to quit. Don't don't go down this road any longer. Don't go down this road. Don't keep pursuing here. Here's an exit sign. Let me give you some exit signs of Paul. Paul had some exit signs. There will always be kinds of exit signs. And if you want to quit pursuing your God-given dream, there will be an exit sign. If you want to quit being a man of God, you want to quit being a man of God of integrity, there's going to be an exit sign. If you want to, if you want to quit being the parent that God called you to be, quit being the husband or the wife that God called you to be, there are plenty of exit signs. There are times where we are in the midst of a world that is full of exit signs. If you want to quit believing what God has orchestrated for your life for success, then there will be plenty of exit signs. But ladies and gentlemen, Paul had a few exit signs, but he said, I fought the fight. 
Let me give you a few exit signs that Paul had. Once he got saved, he was on the road to Damascus. Now, see, he had went to Damascus and he got letters so that he could so that he could uh, uh, so he could seize people that were in Damascus and take them to Jerusalem and imprisonment and ultimately possibly kill them. And on his road to Damascus, on his road to going out and keeping this thing, I mean, he's going out to find these people that are called Christians. These people that are preaching the name of Jesus, believing in the name of Jesus, and he's going to get them. And on this road, he gets smacked with the glory of God. Right? I mean, right in them. Everybody around him heard it. Everybody around saw the light. And the man was blinded by the light. And, and the Bible says he, he's, go, he's going to Damascus. Now, Ananias is in there, and he's praying. He said, Lord, you know... Uh, I just love you. I want to be anything you want me to do. I'll do anything you want me to do. I'll say anything you want me to say. I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'm sure that's what Ananias is praying. How many have ever prayed that that way? So in the in nighttime, the Lord visits Ananias and says, I want you to go over here to a man by the name of Saul of Tarsus, and I want you to pray for him that he might receive his sight and get the Holy Ghost. And it's like some of us, you know, Lord, I'll do anything you want me to do. I'll do whatever you want me. I'll say what you want me to say. Go where you want me to go. But Lord, I don't want to do that. <laughs> and I said, Lord, now I've now are you sure? Because I've heard about this guy, and you know this could cost me my life here. He said, but God said, no. This is a man that I'm going to show. I'm going to do great things through this man. And he said, I'm going to show him what things he must suffer. For the cause of Christ. So, man gets born. He goes over. He gets up. That next day, he goes over to where Saul's located. He lays hands on him. The Bible says that scales fall. Some like scales fell from his eyes. He receives the sight, gets filled with the Holy Ghost, and he immediately starts preaching. I mean, Paul immediately. And you think, man, this guy's on fire. He's, got, he's now got saved. Now he's preaching. Now he's turning around. And everybody's going, everybody's scratching their head thinking, isn't this the guy that was just imprisoning people for what he's doing? He's there. He's confusing everybody. And everybody, you know, by, matter of fact, you read the book of Acts. He said he, he, people were confused because they said, "Is this the same guy?" Ladies and gentlemen, there should be there should be that kind of question when you get saved. Is this the same guy? He just looks different. He talks different. He he doesn't do the same things we used to. He used to do. He he looks different. Anybody know what I'm talking about? There was a change that happened in our life that when Christ entered, something changed the way we did. Something changed the way we talked. Something changed. It was called the power of the Holy Ghost. Now, the Bible says that when, as he did this, now he thought everybody should be happy that he gets saved. But how many know that not everybody's happy when you get saved? Not everybody's, not, not everybody's excited as you are when you get saved. Matter of fact, you, you can really make some people mad. You can tick some people off by getting saved. Your party buddies, your, your running buddies, they, they, they don't want you getting saved. And the moment he gets saved, all of a sudden, the Jews plot a way to kill him. I'm not talking about hurting the man. I'm not talking about beating him up. I'm not talking about shaming him. I'm talking about kill the man. They want to kill. Matter of fact, the king, uh, the king and the governor of Damascus, the governor of Damascus, put guards at the city gate that if they found Paul, that they were to seize him and to kill him. And so Paul had to be let down. Listen real carefully. Paul had to be let down by rope through an opening in the wall of the city, uh, through, the, uh, through the walls of the city, let down through this crack in a basket. Couldn't have been that big a basket. He's only four and a half feet tall. Uh, put through a big basket, 
and he was lowered down in the middle of the night. Now listen, you have to understand, Paul is used to being hanging out with the dignitaries. Paul is used to hanging out, having red carpet service, having access to the governor, to the king, having, having all these accolades, getting, having the pats on the back in the synagogue, having all this recognition. And now this great man of dignity is being led out humbly out of the city in the middle of the night in a basket. How many know that could have been an opportunity to quit right there? How many know that could have been an opportunity to say, Hey, you know, you know I, thought this, I thought this thing was supposed to work out differently. I thought this thing was supposed to you know, work out some, some other way. You know, I, I really don't like this now. You know, the Bible says that, you know, that the stony ground, there are people that, that when they get saved, that, that, that because of the lack of root system, and because that they get offended and immediately they fall away because they, there was no root in them. Ladies and gentlemen, this is not, this is not one of those kind of guys. He, he said, I, 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 I know I could quit right here, but I, I got more to do. Matter of fact, he's not just there. He went over to... How many remember that it's not, it wasn't just at his conversion? But there was another place. Matter of fact, he, had le- he left Damascus. And when he left Damascus, he goes to Jerusalem. Everybody say Jerusalem. He goes, that's where the mother church is. That's the happening church. That's where it all started. How many know that you know, the church broke out in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost? It was in, they were all assembling in Jerusalem. In the upper room, men, and that's where the church is happening. 3,000 people one time. 5,000 people. This is a big church, and this is the mother church of every, of the whole thing. That's where it all got started. And he's excited to now go to the place where it all got started. But they weren't happy to see him. Matter of fact, they doubted whether he was even saved or not. Matter of fact, they didn't even they didn't even get close to him. Matter of fact, they avoided him. Now, how many well, of you, if you had come to this church and we didn't say anything to you? Matter of fact, we told you we don't even think you're saved. How many would have, well, I just don't know. I don't know about that church. I ain't going down to that church no more. Am I talking where we're living? He goes down to the mother church and he is, he is, he is not believed. He, they accuse him of spying them out because of all of his reputation of the past. How many know your reputation in the past can bleed over sometimes? And his reputation had preceded him, and they thought, no, this ain't real. We know what you, we're not going to be deceived. Now, there, I mean, the Jerusalem church had a lot more sense than some of the churches I know of today. They just, I mean, because some churches, they, they swallow everything and anything. They swallowed it all. But they said, no, we don't, we don't believe that you're going to be really sick. But it was Barnabas that took him in and said, hey, you know, time will prove all this thing out. How many of that could have been, that could have been an opportunity to quit? How many of that could have been an opportunity to say, hey, listen, I don't need you all. I don't need this thing. I could go back and do what I'm doing. Matter of fact, I'm going to spy you. I'm going to turn around. And I, how many know that we've never read the rest of Paul's life had he ever done that? Are you all awake this morning? I don't know. We, we, would, we would not have heard the rest of it. How about in Miletus? When he goes to Miletus, he's, he go, he's preaching. Now listen real carefully. He's preaching in Miletus. He is preaching and preaching. I mean, he's preaching the gospel. And all of a sudden, he, I mean, he ticks people off. Now, I mean, I've had people walk out on me. I've had people not come back to the church because they were offended by something I said. But I've never, ever, 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 ever had anybody throw something at me because they didn't like what I said. Now, I've had some scorns. I've had some growl. I mean, I've had people, you know, look at me. You know, just look at me. I don't like what you're saying. Because I was preaching where they needed to be preached to. And I've, I've had dirty looks. I've had people, you know, talk about me. I've had, you know, people get up and why and come back. I had, matter of fact, I was preaching up in Knoxville, Tennessee one time. I was preaching up there. 
Uh, actually, it was in Lenore City. And I was preaching up there. And in 15 minutes, I cleared out 150 people to 50. I mean, 100 people in 15 minutes walked out on my sermon. I mean, I know how to clear them out, pal. I know how to clean them out. I mean, I, and it wasn't really all that I was saying. I was trying, hey, you know, uh, praise God. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> 15 minutes, I mean, out the door. The thing about it was, not one of them thought about throwing anything at me. But, I mean, Paul's preaching so hard to these Jews in Miletus, they got ticked off at him. I mean, they got upset. Matter of fact, and you know these Jews, I mean, they're professional rockers. I mean, and they took up stones and they began to throw them at it while he's preaching. I mean, he's preaching. Ha, ha, yeah, ha. And they get up throwing stones at him. I mean, they threw stones until they knocked him unconscious and killed him. I'm going to tell you something. This, this, this separates the men from the boys right here. They knocked him unconscious, killed him, and did not want his stinking carcass in their town. So they dragged his carcass all the way outside the city gate and, and, and threw him out of the city. And the, the, the disciples are standing around him, thinking, oh my God, what's going, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And Paul stands up in the midst of them, and instead of leaving, he goes back into the city and starts preaching again and starts doing it all over again. Man, you, what's the devil going to do with somebody like this? What is the devil that's going to do with somebody that you can't even kill the guy? I mean, that takes a man's man, a preacher's preacher. That takes a man that knows that he is ordained by God to do a work that it doesn't matter, that death can't stop him, no devil can stop him, no government can stop him, no man can stop him. He is completely going into that city saying, I am not my own, I am Christ, and I'm going to preach till I'm done. <laughs> How many know that could have been an opportunity for quitting? I ain't preaching in this bunch. Forget this. Matter of fact, Jesus, if I was so if I was so much in the will of God, why'd you let this thing happen to me? Oh, and I, I got I guess I got somewhere where we're supposed to be right there. The point is, is that a lot of times we we never been stoned, ladies and gentlemen. You've never been stoned. Well, you might have, never mind. Uh, you've never been rocked <laughs> to death. That didn't sound good either. Uh, <laughs> You've never had someone pick up stones and throw them at you and kill you for preaching the gospel. And how quickly we can get offended. You know, I had an opportunity to get offended this week. I had an opportunity. I mean, just, I, mean I had an opportunity to get offended. But I'll tell you what. I just had an opportunity. And then I got to, I got to thinking about what my sermon was. I go, wait a minute. This is, this, is so, this is so piddly in comparison to getting, I mean, getting the soup knocked out of me for preaching, doing the right thing. <laughs> But he's stoned. How many know that's an opportunity for, for, for to quit? Matter of fact, let me give you... Turn with me to the book of Second, uh, Second Corinthians. The book of Second Corinthians. Glory to God. The book of Second Corinthians. Matter of fact, most preachers in my, after that incident in my lease, they would have just... I mean, they would have left the city and put it in their monthly newsletter. Oh, a city stones me. Send an offering for my healing, my recovery, for the hospital bill. Send an offering. Ladies and gentlemen, that's not Paul, man. Paul got back up and said, listen, ain't going to stop me. I ain't done. I haven't closed my sermon yet. I'm going to get in there and close it. And he goes back in. But notice this. This is, an, uh, this is amazing. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Go over to chapter 11. I'm sorry I didn't tell you the, the chapter. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 
I'm going to show you just how rough you can have it in the kingdom. And the price that was paid for your freedom and liberty. Notice here in verse number 24, For from the Jews five times I received forty stripes minus one. That means five times he received thirty-nine stripes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In other words, he was on the open sea for a day and a half. Notice this. He says, now, the New King James says perils, but actually the, the, the NIV says danger. That's actually more what we would understand. In journeys often, in dangers of water, in dangers of robbers, in dangers of my own countrymen, in dangers of the Gentiles, in, in dangers of the city, in dangers in the wilderness, in dangers in the sea, in dangers among false brethren, in weariness, in toil, in sleeplessness often, sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst and fastings often in cold and nakedness and besides the other things what comes upon me daily is my deep concern of all the churches how many know that any one of these things could have been a place for for Paul to say this is a good place to quit this is a good place to give up. This is a good. I think I've paid enough price. I think I've been beaten enough. I can quit now and I don't have to do any more. And if he had done it, we would not have had the rest of the story. Every one of us can look at this list and say, you know, I, I haven't even been in one of them. I mean, I've been in a few bumps in the air in the airplane, but that's about the extent of it. I've had long layovers, which can be, you know, seem like the great tribulation. <laughs> but it's nothing. When I read this, I think, look at this guy. This guy had all kinds of opportunities to quit. But ladies and gentlemen, he didn't take it. Now, I want you to look one more time, which is one more thing, and go back to 2 Timothy chapter 4. If you would, go to back to 2 Timothy chapter 4. I want to share this with you. Boy, I tell you what, when I read this, when I read this, this week, it, just, it made me cry. I, I just, I really, it just, I teared up. I, I, uh, but I, I want, man, I thought, man, oh, I, I understand this, but I also, I, I feel for the man. I feel for this. Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 16, he said, At my first defense, verse 16, At my first defense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. May it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, so that the message might be preached fully through me and that all the Gentiles might hear. And I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion, and the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for His heavenly kingdom. To Him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Here is the foundational apostle to the Gentile church. And at His appearing before the Roman court, nobody wanted to be associated with him out of fear of what would happen to him or happen to that person if he was associated with that man called Paul. And here this man has been this man Paul has given his life, his blood, his sweat, his tears. He has gotten through I mean he's gone through all these perils and he has given his very life not only to the Lord but to these people 
that at the moment that he needs them to stand to his defense, everybody forsook him and said, you know, I, I, you know, I just don't know if I could go through that. And he was forsaken, betrayed. He was abandoned by his own Christian brothers. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I know more people right now that this morning, on Sunday morning, they are sitting in their homes because they took the exit that my Christian brother is not living the life that I think he should live or he's done something to hurt me and I'm not going back to church again. And they took the quit exit. They took the giving up exit because their focus was on the wrong thing. Ladies and gentlemen, we cannot keep our focus upon the people that we are ministering to or even living around. We must keep our focus upon the heavenly vision and upon the One who bought us with a price with His own blood. We must keep our eye on that because if you keep your eye on anything else other than that, you are going to be disappointed. You are going to be highly tempted to Quit. You know I'm talking the truth now. There are times when people, leaders will, will, will hurt us. Leaders will disappoint us. Preachers will disappoint us. The people that we're, lead, that we're leading will disappoint us. The followers will disappoint us. The people that will do they all will disappoint. But ladies and gentlemen, if you keep your eyes on people, you will miss it. If you do things for people, you will miss it. If you're not doing it because of the heavenly vision, you'll miss it. And here, this man has given his life's blood, and without him preaching, ladies and gentlemen, they wouldn't have even been saved. They'd have been lost and dead in their sins, yet they abandoned him out of fear for their own lives. He had to go alone. And uh, notice verse 17, Lo. He said, But the Lord stood with me, and he strengthened with me. He strengthened me. Now, here's a man that knows what he's preaching about. It's not just a good sermonizing. He said, The Lord, at my place of weakness, He stood with me. And He strengthened me. Ladies and gentlemen, there are times when you feel all alone. And maybe you really are all alone in the natural sense. But you've got to look to the heavenly sense and say, Lord, I may be in this battle and this fight all by myself, but I remember what Paul wrote in Romans chapter 8, verse number 31, that if God be for me, it doesn't even matter who is against me. Let God be true and every man a liar that if God is on my side and if God can stand, I will receive enough strength with His presence than everybody else's accolades, everybody else's pat on the back, everyone else is cheering me on. I will receive more in that moment of being in the presence of God with Him standing by me if I'm alone than I will with all of the people that surround me and cheer me on. How many know that was a good, good opportunity for Paul to give up? That was a great opportunity for Paul to say, I've had it. But notice what he said. Notice notice this. Jesus knows how to stick closer than a brother. And Jesus knows how to strengthen you in a time of weakness, a time when you're tempted to quit. Now listen real quick. Here's what you're going to do when you quit. And I want you to take out a piece of paper and I want you to write this down. 
If you don't hear anything else, I, well, I know we're taking a look at the life of Paul, but I want you, if you don't get anything else, when you feel like quitting, here's what you're going to do. When you feel like quitting, here's what you're going to do. Now we're going to look back at the rest of what, we're, what we just read. But the Lord stood with me, strengthened me, so that the message might be fully preached through me. Notice this. The first thing you're going to do is, if you, when you feel like quitting, is remember the purpose God has for you being on planet Earth. Why are you here? If you don't know that yet, you need to get into the presence long enough for God to talk to you about that. Stay in the Word, stay in His presence long enough to find out what your purpose on earth is. What on earth are you called to do? And if you, I'm telling you, when you feel like quitting, if you'll remember the purpose... That your purpose is bigger than your problem. Your purpose is bigger than the setback. Your purpose is bigger than the thwarting. The purpose is bigger than the persecution. The purpose is bigger than anything that come against you because God's purpose on your life will, in effect, be done if you don't quit. And if you feel like quitting, you remember what you're called to do. That you're not called to just please everybody. Ladies and gentlemen, you're not going to please everybody. The fact that you're saved doesn't please everybody. The fact that you go to church on Sunday doesn't please everybody. The fact that you are a believer, that you speak with other tongues, or that you believe in certain doctrinal issues, that's not going to please everybody. Ladies and gentlemen, you've got to know what your purpose is for you to stabilize your responses when you feel like quitting. Ladies and gentlemen, I didn't get this out of a book. (laughs) I know what it's like. I know what it it feels like to feel like you need to quit. I know what it is to be tempted to quit. I know what it is like when you, you'd given it all and you didn't, your all didn't seem like it was enough. I know what it's like. But every time I felt like quitting, I had to go back to what is my purpose on planet Earth? What am I called to do? What in the world am I supposed to do? Number two, the second thing is remember this. He's going to deliver you out of extraordinary circumstances. Extraordinary circumstances are going to surround you. The Bible says here that He delivered him out of the mouth of the lion. He said, The Lord stood by me, strengthened me, and delivered me out of the mouth of the lion. He said, I, I, I'm supposed to preach to the Gentiles that all the Gentiles may hear. But He said, I am called to preach, and because of that, God delivered me out of the mouth of the lion. We're talking, you know how Paul died? Paul died by the sword. Paul died having his head cut off. The lion would not bite the man of God. <laughs> the, the lion would not bite the man of God. I mean, it's a modern day Daniel. In this sense, it's another, it's another Daniel issue. Thrown into the Colosseum, the Romans were going were gonna, to, you know, have the lions take, take him out. I mean, you know, you've, maybe some of you have watched that movie Gladiator. <laughs> they turn, turn the lions loose. Ladies and gentlemen, the, I mean, the man of God had more faith then we know what to do with it. I mean, the Bible says that he stopped the mouth of the lion. God delivered him out of the mouth of the lion. He will de- Ladies and gentlemen, you might not be facing a physical lion today. You may not be being persecuted, but ladies and gentlemen, there are some extraordinary circumstances that you can get yourself into. There are some very odd things. There are some very thin, very, uh, very powerful strategies that devil, the devil may have against you. But ladies and gentlemen, I was talking to Kelly on the way, on the way, on the way here. I said, you know, we just don't realize, the body of Christ does not realize how defeated the devil really is. We don't understand and we don't have a great revelation of just how defeated the devil is. If we knew how defeated he really was, we would not talk the way we talk. We would not act. We would not give, ascribe him anything. Well, the devil's attacking me here. The devil's attacking my car. The devil's attacking my body. The devil's attacking me. You know, and yes, there are times that he does that. But ladies and gentlemen, he is so defeated. He is so under our feet. He, Jesus is so high and lifted up. He is so spoiled 
the principalities and powers and made a public show of them openly that we must remember that He will deliver us out of every extraordinary circumstance. I'm telling you, my heart rings out today that if you will just not quit, that everything that you may be up against, God Himself will show up on your behalf. Hallelujah. Now, the third thing you need to remember is this, is that He begins to prophesy in this next verse. Notice verse number 18. And the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for His heavenly kingdom. He begins to start prophesying about His future. Now, this is what he, he knew enough about the faithfulness of God. He knew enough about the life preserving power of God that he says, you know what? It doesn't matter if it's lions, shipwrecks, beating with rods, persecution. It doesn't matter. The Lord is going to deliver me out of every evil work and he's going to preserve me for this heavenly kingdom. When I'm ready, I'm going to lay my life down. But until then, I, God will deliver me out of every situation. And he starts prophesying to his future. Ladies and gentlemen, there are times that when you feel like quitting that you're going to have to say, Lord, I prophesy now to my future that this is not always going to be like it is. I'm not always going to be under attack. We're not always going to be small. We're not always going to be just a small growing church. One day we are going to look back at this day and we're going to say, I thank God that I didn't quit. Oh, you ought to pray. Come on. Put your hands together and praise God in this place. He prophesies about his future out of what he's come to know about a loving Savior. He will deliver me out of every work as just as long as I don't give up, as long as I don't quit, as long as we don't throw in the towel, as long as we continue pursuing the plan of God. Now, ladies and gentlemen, Paul encouraged young Timothy in the first letter that he wrote in chapter 1, verse 18. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18. He said this. He said, remember the prophecies which have went over on you. He said, because by them you shall war a good warfare. Ladies and gentlemen, you know what the warfare is? It's not just the warfare of faith. It's the warfare to keep going. It's the warfare to stay in the game. It's the warfare to not give up. It's the warfare to never quit. Because, ladies and gentlemen, sometimes you've got to reach back and say, Lord, I know what you said about it. doesn't look like what you, are, what you said is ever going to come to pass. But, Lord, because you said it. It wasn't because my pastor said it. It wasn't because of my prayer partner said it. It wasn't because a preacher on TV said it. But I believe what you said to me about my life. And the Bible says you can war a good warfare because of that one thing. Just take the prophecies and begin to say, Lord, it's not going to be like this. Devil, it's not going to be like this. Oh, congregation is not ever going to be like this because I know what God said about us. We're a people of purpose. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Anybody know what I'm talking about? How many have ever had to reach back and say, Lord, I know what you said about me. Ladies and gentlemen, the secret to success is not your great talent. It's not the timing. It's not luck. It's not just things going your way. But ladies and gentlemen, it is the absolute refusal to quit. It is the absolute refusal to never lay down and quit. Now, ladies and gentlemen, now, all the great men of history uh, taught us this. Abraham Lincoln. He is a bankrupt businessman. If you've ever read his biography, he, he was not elected. He failed to get elected here. Failed to get elected there. He got elected to some small office and then, and then got ousted out. 
I mean, his whole life is failed companies, lost elections, and all of a sudden one day he just becomes president. Now, ladies and gentlemen, he was the 16th president of our nation, but he was the one president that probably had the greatest turning point of this entire nation. He was the one that gave the great Gettysburg Address. He is the one that helped stop the segregation, stop and abolish the slavery that was going on. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you, the president of the United States named Abraham Lincoln was a failure until he stepped into his presidency. And the one thing he didn't do is he never quit. He just kept on and kept on. And, kept. and ladies and gentlemen, I can tell you more about Abraham Lincoln than I can about George Washington, our founding father. I can tell you more about Abraham Lincoln than I can tell you about the majority of the presidents that have, that have lived before my time. You know why? Because he's... He didn't quit. You know, Thomas Edison, he invented the, a light bulb a thousand different times. He showed us a thousand ways you don't invent the light bulb. Do you know what he said? He, Thomas Edison said this. He said, I am not an inventor. I just take what other people have gave up on and kept on going with it. One of the greatest, what we call, inventors of our time. But really, he said, I'm not even an inventor. He said, someone else got the idea. I just improved what they were doing. I just kept on going. I didn't quit. Ladies and gentlemen, when you've got something in your heart, you will. Henry Ford's first two companies were a flop. But his third one's done pretty good. What if he had quit after those first two? Businessmen, what if you'd quit after the first time you had, had trouble? Maybe a business has dropped down. Ladies and gentlemen, you can't quit. Sir, uh, Sir Winston Churchill in 1915 was forced to resign from public office as Chancellor of the Admiralty because of a great failure. But everyone said he was washed up, his career was over, and that he should go practice law somewhere or write a book. But, England, but in England's darkest hour, 25 years later, they reached back to a Winston Churchill that had the bulldog tenacity to never give up. And in the World War II, he became one of the most prolific people and influencers in that war and he became the very person to bring England and an entire nation out of their darkest threatened hour to their finest glorious hour just one man you know why because he didn't say he didn't believe what other people said about him being washed up with him being through ladies and gentlemen you and I are those kind of people these lives are are living legacies to the fact that if you don't quit, you can't lose. Now, let me give you a little bit of definition on the word quit. The, now, the Bible. Now, there's the difference between the Bible version of quit and the dictionary version of quit. Now, listen real carefully. The dictionary version of quit means it means to cease or abandon expected or necessary action. Matter of fact, you want to throw it up? It means to cease or abandon expected or necessary action to give up or to admit defeat. Now, I don't understand this because, you know, there's been times I've been, you know, when I was a kid, I got in some fights. Anybody, you know, as a kid, did you ever get in a fight? Some of you are, you are lying this morning. You're not, you're, not, you're not being honest at all. I got in some fights. I mean, I'm, I'm a fighter. Now, I'll just be real honest with you. I'm a fighter. I don't like, I, I, I do not know what passivity is. I am a fighter. And sometimes I have to be careful because in my new life of Christ, I, want, I need to fight the right things because if I'm not careful, I can fight the wrong things. But I am a fighter. Now listen real carefully. There's a kid that used to pick on me. His name is R.D. Crandall. Man, I mean from the second grade. He slapped me in the face waiting, on a bus, waiting for the bus. Slapped me in the, I mean, he just intimidated me. 
And he's come, he comes from a rough background. I didn't. I came from a solid, you know, family. We, you know, we roughhoused, but we never, you know, we never actually fought or anything in the sense. My brother and I fought a little bit, but that's none of your business. Uh, anyway, uh, Arnie Crown, he was a bully. He, I mean, he's intimidating me. I always intimidated. Slap me. When I was in first grade, he was in second grade, then he flunked. And, oh, man, this guy, I now got to ride the bus with this guy every day. And, I mean, he, I mean, from the first grade on, well, about the eighth grade, I, you know, I just got tired of it. And he started challenging me to a fight. I said, yeah, come on, man. I, 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 and he hit me one time, and, man, I mean, it hurt. And, uh, and I was on the ground. I thought, you know, and, and all these guys are laughing at me. And I thought, you know, his punch hurt, but this laughing hurts more. And I don't know if it was just old-fashioned pride, guts, or what it was. I said, I'm not going to do this. And he, the, and his mistake was he turned his back on me. Because I got up, and I hauled off, and he had, he had braces. I hauled off and hit him so hard. His mouth is all bloody. You know, eighth grade, I mean, you got braces. I mean, you know, it tears your mouth up anyway, let alone getting hit in the face. And I mean, I hit him so hard. I hit him as hard as I could. He said, no fair. I said, all fair, love and war. And he squared off with me, and I went to hit him, and I kicked him. And yeah, I kicked him where you're not supposed where it is unfair. I kicked him, and he was laying on the ground. I said, I will never be bullied by you again. I'll never be intimidated by you. You come at me again, and I'll knock your head off. He never, ever messed with me again. But ladies and gentlemen, I mean, I'm telling you that story simply because you know, I could have looked defeated. I mean, you I, you know, when we play basketball, when we play basketball, most of the time when we play basketball, if, I, if I'm on a losing team, we're going to play till I win. I, I'm going to tell you right now, you can beat me a, a hundred times, but there is, we're going to keep on playing. I don't care how tired you are, you can whoop me, but we're going to keep playing until I win once. I, we're going to win. Sooner, I'm going to win one sooner or later. I, I don't have to win them all, but I'm going to win one time or another. We're going to keep fighting, or we're going to keep playing, or we're going to keep doing something until someone, one time, I get a little problem, because I am not going to be defeated all the time. Hey, hey, that's the kind of attitude that I'm talking about. We're talking about the attitude that we're not going to cease, but we're sure not going to admit our defeat. We're surely not going to admit that we're defeated. Because that's a quitter. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I'll tell you, let me give you, let me give you the Bible. Let me give you the Bible definition of quitting. Now, listen real carefully. You're only a failure when you quit. You're only a failure. Mistakes and unexpected, uh, and, 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 and not getting what you want to expect, that's not failure. Failure happens when you quit. Failure doesn't count until failure, uh, and failure, failure doesn't count as failure until you quit. You, you, you don't quit until you win. Now here's the Bible definition. I went to my I went to my Bible software. I, I, I use Bible software and I went Q U I T search the whole Bible, Genesis of Revelation, I went uh, New American Standard, King James, New King James, NIV. Just for those that of you that just needed to know that. Uh I put Q U I T in. You know what? The Bible you know what you know what came up on my screen? The word quit is not found in the Bible. Ladies and gentlemen, it is not the nature of God 
to ever quit. And quit's not in the Bible. So as a part of your born-again spirit nature, it is not a part of your born-again spirit nature to ever admit or accept defeat in any area. You might have had some setbacks. There might have been some problems. But ladies and gentlemen, the Bible still says at the end, if you you keep getting up, you will win. A righteous man will fall seven times, but at the end he will arise again. And the Bible says in Hosea, Oh, rejoice not over me, O my enemy, when I fall, for I shall arise. Go to, I'm not going to stay here. I'm going to arise because I'm not a quitter. I'm not a part. You know, God can use sinners and He's not, He's not, He doesn't have a problem using sinners and failures. Do you know that? God doesn't have a problem using sinners or failures. Look at it. First of all, he used Abraham, liar. Abraham was a liar. God used him. Second of all, Moses, a murderer who was just basically alone on the backside of the desert, broken down failure on the backside of the desert. But God says, I'm going to use this sinner. I'm going to use this failure. Gideon was a selfish coward who was just a, who was storing corn in the middle of the night. And God said, I'm going to use you. He doesn't have a problem using sinners or failures. Notice this. David, the adulterer, whose family's issues, couldn't, he couldn't seem to overcome them. Paul, murderer, who became the apostle of the Gentiles. Now, ladies and gentlemen, God uses all, God uses failures. God uses sinners. But listen real carefully. God cannot use a quitter. God cannot use a quitter. You know who was a quitter in the Bible? Judas. You know Judas did the same thing Peter did? Peter and, Peter and Judas did the same thing. They both betrayed Jesus. They both denied him. But Peter went and wept bitterly and repented. Judas thought he'd take the exit sign. He took the opportunity to quit. Ladies and gentlemen, don't take the opportunity to quit. Please write this down. If you don't write anything else down, write this down. It's not your sin. It's not your past failures or weaknesses that keeps God from using you. Write it down. It's not your sin. It's not your past failures. Or weaknesses that keep God from using you. God cannot use a sinner. Don't quit. Don't give in. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. Stay in the game. Stay victorious. Because if you'll stay in it long enough, you keep plugging away... God can't use the quitter, but if you'll keep plugging away at it, you may not get it this time. You may not get it the second time. You may not get it the tenth time. You might not even get it the fiftieth time. But ladies and gentlemen, sooner or later, you will get it. I've had people say, well, you know, I just don't believe in this tithing stuff because it didn't work for me. I tried it three weeks and it didn't work. Well, great endurance are you. You sure know how to really stick it out, don't you? Ladies and gentlemen, I've been tithing. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know something. If I never receive anything else from tithing, God is worthy enough that I'm going to keep on tithing, keep on believing, keep on giving, that it doesn't matter how much I don't get or what I think I, uh, what He owes me. He, oh, he gave me my life back. He gave me purpose. He gave me identity. He gave me something that money can't buy. And ladies and gentlemen, that's why I won't give up on Him. I cannot give up on Him because He never gave up on me. Glory to God. Stand to your feet and begin to rejoice and praise God in this place. Come on, throw your hands up in the air and just begin to magnify God.
Come on, open your voice up and just begin to say, Lord, I'm not a quitter. Lord, I'm not a quitter. I'm not, I don't, I will not give in. I will not retreat. I will not give in. Hallelujah. Some of you have been waiting for full-time ministry for years. Some of you have been asking God to use you in some incredible ways. But ladies and gentlemen, you got to stay in the game. Keep pressing. Keep pushing. Keep in your faith. Keep your faith up. If there's anything that I've been preaching, is about faith. And faith is not quitting. Faith is about never quitting. Faith is about never ceasing. Faith is keeping, keeping on in the keeping on when the keeping on is tough, when it's hard, when there's no reason for you to keep on. It's keeping on in the middle of all of that. Glory to God. Throw your hands up, both of you. Uh, both of the hands up in the air. Everybody in this place. And begin to magnify God. God's, God is about to release. He's about to release His anointing on some people in here. He is about to touch some people's lives. I know I know, we went a little bit longer, but I'm going to be like Paul. I'm going to preach until I'm done. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we thank You. We thank You that we're never going to quit. Never going to quit. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening. If you would like additional ministry material, you may contact us at Church Alive International. P.O. Box 4483, Marietta, Georgia, 30061. Thank you, and God bless you.